thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. Oh, not not this again. Let's let's get this out of the way, Kirk. Just do whatever you're gonna do. Ah, you're muted. You deserve that. No. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> Take two, pretend nothing happened. <laughs> We're caught in a trap. I can't walk <laughs> out because I love you too much, baby. I cannot believe I was muted wow, on I my know. grand entrance. <laughs> you, as... deserve, you deserve that. You do. Uh, <sighs> because this is two episodes in a row you're doing this. You're pulling this stunt with your... What if this is what I do for like the next 30 episodes? Oh, God. I'll quit. I bust out this mink coat. And this beautiful wig, and I just go to town. Every intro is no longer "Hello, Hello." It's whatever Elvis song I haven't sung yet. Yeah, no, I uh, <laughs> count me out. Count me out on that. I mean, that all if you want to do that in your free time, by all means. But why did Popcorn for Breakfast break up? I don't know. <laughs> it was the nonstop Elvis impersonations. That's what did it. That's what pushed. That's what pushed everybody over the edge. That was the end of it. Well, I could see it. I could see it, honestly. Well, find us on TikTok. I will most likely be busting it out for the rest of the week because I found this mink coat and it's comfy. It's very hot after a, a, like five minutes. If you don't do a Lunch. thrift shop rendition with that coat, then you're <laughs> doing it all wrong, Kirk. You're doing it all wrong. What if I do a thrift shop in the same vein as Elvis? Like, walk into the club like, what up? I got a big... Well, there were some... There were some mashups in this movie of songs like at one point they were mashing up elvis with toxic by britney spears there was all kinds of stuff going on so there's there's a bit of a modern flair a little bit of a remix going on in in the elvis film so you know we'll get into it but as we all are painfully aware of now we're reviewing the film Elvis hey, this hey. week. No, that's that's not what I meant. I just meant that we went so long without actually saying what we're doing today, which is that we're reviewing Elvis, uh, the Boz Lerman film. You don't think my pitch perfect rendition of Elvis's suspicious minds cued them into what movie we were doing? No, they did, but we didn't actually say it. That's what I'm saying. That's the, that's the problem oh, is that we didn't okay. do a proper, we didn't do our job. Is what I'm okay, saying. well, let's start over from the top. Let's do it. Just <laughs> All run right, it back. run it back. No. Uh, so we're reviewing Elvis. It's Boz Lerman biopic starring Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, among others. Uh, it's in theaters now. It's actually officially the number one movie in America for the time being, um, which it only narrowly beats Top Gun Maverick, which Maverick's in its fifth weekend. So... Uh, but it, it, there were a lot of competing factors because the Black Phone also came out this weekend. Jurassic World Dominion is still in theaters. Lightyear is still in theaters. Um, box office is alive and well for the summer right now, Kirk. I mean, we saw this at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And it there were a lot of people there. This is a two-hour and 40-minute movie, so do the math there. We didn't get out till 1 a.m. Um, right. And that that theater was still, you know, had had a good amount of people in it. Yeah, for, you know, post-COVID movie theaters, 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday. I mean, it wasn't half full, but it was definitely more than a quarter full. That, and that it was above-average-sized theater, too. Yes. So that's worth doing. Yes. Yes. It was pretty impressive. Um, there, were probably, there were probably 30 people in there. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe 25. 30 is a good guess. Uh, I would, And only one couple left early, probably because they're like, holy crap, it's 1230. <laughs> <laughs> they almost got to the end. They're really close. I was surprised they left. They bailed. Uh, but let's let's get into it, Kirk. I know, uh, and, you know I'm, I'm expecting lots of good Elvis nuggets from you today with your impersonation. You've got the get yeah. up. But luckily, you're the one synopsing. So let's, let's hear what you have to say about Elvis. And by the way, this is spoiler full, spoiler full review. So if you're That's right. if you're worried about getting spoiled about Elvis's <laughs> death, which everyone knows about, uh, watch out for that. If you're watching on the stream, just a minute I picked up this microphone. It's actually a flashlight and I realized, wait, I'm talking into a microphone. Why do I need two yeah, microphones? You don't. you don't. That 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 fails. I just thought that I would just expose myself before I continue as the fraud that I am. The synopsis for Boz Thurman's Elvis. 
Baz Luhrmann's odyssey of the king of rock and roll spans the whopping 42 years of his life. Aaron Elvis Presley broke down barriers of the square-like expectation of entertainment personas. He crossed segregation lines to follow the beat of the music, and he loved the spotlight and the world with every inch of his gyrating body. Elvis, now streaming in theaters. Now streaming in theaters? That's the joke. Why is it a joke? I'm sorry, I missed it. This is no, this is not your fault. This is my fault. This is this is my fault. This is my fault. This is not your fault, Kirk. That's the dad joke coming out in full force. Oh, now okay, gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, good. Uh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to be that guy. But no, I am. I am the one who should be sorry. I said the words. I wrote the words. I, blew I said up the your words. Spot. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the movie's quite simply called Elvis because that's what it is. It's Elvis. It's about Elvis. It's all things Elvis uh, from the beginning of his career to the end. And just as Kirk said, so mm-hmm. let's get into it and let's start with these acting performances because everybody's going to want to know it's a biopic. Did they do it upright? Kirk, who is your Oscar going to for this film? And the Oscar goes to Mr. Austin Butler in the title character role, Elvis Presley. Austin Butler, his biggest claim to fame before this, once upon a time in Hollywood with Quentin Tarantino at the helm. This performance is absolutely star making. He is always, uh, he was already on people's radar from the various kids projects that he was on Disney, Nickelodeon. He hopped between both maybe. Um, and then he landed in an incredible role as Tex, part of the Manson clan uh, on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this is going to unlock so many things for him. He's already uh, been announced in part two of Dune, and I'm sure that there will be many more. What I love about the behind the scenes from this is that Austin Butler is a class act. He actually sought out the blessing of the family to make sure that he could do this role. He did not want to do it unless he knew that the family was on board because obviously those people are the ones you want to take care of the most, the the living family. Whenever you're doing uh, movies and stories like this, it's important. And also he spent two years of his life living, breathing, studying, singing, all of it all Elvis. I think that is just such wonderful dedication. Some people might think that's insane and that's fine. You can think that's insane, but that's the, that's the kind of news and background on movies and characters and acting studies that I love that I think that sometimes it takes that amount to perfect a role. It takes as long as it takes. Sometimes it might just be a week. You never know. It might just hit you uh, with all the right things, but when you're taking such care of a person who was larger than life, maybe the largest entertainment figure we have in history. I mean, Elvis is Elvis. He's known everywhere. There will never be another Elvis, as crazy as that sounds, as big as some of the superstars are out there today. No one can touch this man. It's insane. Austin Butler's performance, we get what I love in the first depiction out of any other Elvis impersonation, we get a, we get these real conversations uh, of, of him arguing and struggling with his family. Um, in the other films before this of, of Elvis, we get mostly uh, caricature moments where you, you have the voice, you have the poses, and albeit they were good impersonations, but they didn't cut to the heart of what was driving Elvis to do what he did, to perform how he did, to love being on that stage like he did and why. And I love just how Austin Butler really took all of that in and infused that as his super objective in making this as clear as possible that Elvis lived to perform. He could not live without the fuel of people like Monsters, Inc., how it's fueled first on fear and then on laughter. Elvis was fueled by his fans, plain and simple. Without that stage, he wasn't anything that he wanted to be. I think that Austin Butler can will continue to ride this train of being Elvis uh, for a very long time. And I am just so ecstatic as a huge Elvis fan myself to see this role really come to life in the perfect way. So congrats, Austin Butler. 
Yes. Austin Butler has to be my choice for, and the Oscar goes to as well. Um, here's what's crazy about this. There, there is not a person alive in this country that hasn't done some level of Elvis impression in their life. You know, just thank you. Thank you very much. You know, everybody has done at least that once in their life and done it terribly like I just did. This is one of the most caricatured people, personas ever in the history of the world. I mean, there are people in Las Vegas still getting hired to dress up like Elvis and, you know, there's Elvis weddings and all this crazy, there's this crazy Elvis culture. This is one of the most reproduced personas ever. And so to step into that role and to do it in a way that makes it feel like you're not doing a caricature, that you're not doing an impersonation, that you are Elvis, that you are actually transforming into Elvis is an insanely difficult task. And then to do it at the level that Austin Butler did is an entirely different thing altogether. I mean, it's truly insane. There, there is a point in this movie where he just transforms into Elvis before your eyes because the early, the early scenes in the movie, you're getting like young Elvis, which is not the Elvis you know and love anyway. So you don't view him as Elvis. You view him as like this different machination you know you you view this as like this different iteration i guess is the word that i'm trying to look for of elvis but as he becomes the superstar elvis you're like yeah this is elvis this is elvis like there's no doubt in your mind and what's even more bonkers about this we talked about this years ago when the casting process was going on we we talked about it in what's popping the guys they were considering for this role there were there were a ton of them including aaron taylor johnson and Harry Styles, and Miles Teller, and Ansel Elgord, and, and a few others who were considered for this role. But they, they cast a wide net. And of those people, Austin Butler is not the most accurate um, visual match to Elvis. He's, he's not someone... Austin Butler has a bit of an iconic look himself. A very He, he has a bit of a, like... He's a noticeable face. He has something that could be iconic if he becomes a big star. And so to turn that person into Elvis, obviously the hair and makeup was insane. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point uh, and crazy stuff that they were doing there. But also he is delivering a performance that makes it so that you don't have to warp your mind too much to see him. The mannerisms, the movements, the facial expressions – Everything. It goes beyond makeup. It goes beyond what they can do from a technical perspective. This is flat out acting and doing it really, really well and creating a character from the ground up that's just remarkable. Really good character work. I mean, really strong character work by Austin Butler. Kirk Kirk mentioned that he was living with this as all the greats do. Um, when they take on these big iconic roles and and the work has paid off. There's no doubt in my mind why they chose him. In fact, uh, Miles Teller is actually pretty similar looking to Elvis. If you like, he would have more, more closely looked like Elvis. So I was a little bit surprised whenever they went with Austin Butler, like, wow, he must've had a heck of an audition. Well, now it's clear. Like he, he did and was able to do the job. So really iconic, could get him nominated for a real Oscar, not just one of ours. I mean, it really is that good of a performance. I definitely think he will be nominated. It's, uh, I don't think that's even a contest because of the, you could do a caricature and you could still get nominated for a caricature. Yeah, but the it happens. Depths that he does those, those moments where he is just, um, fighting for his life against all the people in his life about saying, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it this way, or I'm trusting you. That sounds good. And he's opening up to them. Like we've never seen a vulnerable Elvis. Like that's what it really comes down to where uh, Colonel Tom Parker, his manager is telling him, Hey, we should do this, manipulating him. And Elvis is like, well, I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to do this. So tell me more. Oh, that's very nice. And then he like, he unfolds and opens up and tells about kind of his dreams and ambitions with his direction. And I think that this performance will go down as one of the greatest performances in, in film history. I'm, I'm so serious. Um, two other things real quick. Um, your Elvis impression was perfect. So how dare you <laughs> say that it was not good. 
And then I also want to say that I uh, have done a full-blown Elvis impersonation in a church musical uh, as a teen. So I got to wear a red suit, like a red jumpsuit. I went and tried it on from like a, a costume place and... It was, I, I have to find the pictures. There yes, are very you do. few. You do have to. I, I had so much fun and I wish I still had it so I could have worn two Elvis. Would you have gone with me to the movie if I was in a red jumpsuit? Not a single chance. There's, <laughs> there's absolutely no way. There's no way. But, you know, I would have loved you for living your truth and would have sent you off to the movies on your own and been like, you know what? Good on you. But no way. No chance. You would have said, oh, I can't. You would have, like, seen me in the lobby. (laughs) Actually, my dog just died, so (laughs) I got to go. And then snuck in, like, with a hat and a trench coat. And a giant fake mustache. Yeah, it could could work. Um, It wouldn't be the wildest thing I pulled off. Um, Okay, let's talk about the other performances. Because I think everybody comes into this expecting... Austin Butler to be the winner of our and the Oscar goes to if he hadn't that would be a scathing indictment on this movie that means that things went real wrong real fast Um, so that's perhaps a good sign but let's let's dig deeper here Kirk who did you have as your scene stealer for this movie my scene stealer was this is a hard one because the supporting uh, the supporting staff the supporting cast of this film while most of them did a good job, to me, there weren't groundbreaking or breakthrough performances, unfortunately. But the one that I that stood out to me that I kept loving uh, was the one by Richard Roxburgh, which is, uh, you may know him if you love Moulin Rouge as much as I do. He plays the Duke uh, in Moulin Rouge and Baz Luhrmann's uh, other film of his nine that he has, right? Um, in the Duke, he's this outlandish, ridiculous caricature and in this we get a real person elvis's father southern accent calm cool collected and bad with money i mean there is a lot there's actually a lot there a lot more than i thought they were going to give this character and it was very surprising on how influential that both his parents were in this film and i really thought that it was it was such a good departure from the only other thing that I've seen him in. And I thought that it was really incredible. He wasn't there just because he knew Boz Lerman from Moulin Rouge. He was there because he earned that part and he, he paid his dues and he, uh, he really studied up to make sure his accent was proper to make sure that he had a relationship with Austin Butler, the actor and Elvis, the character, those were all very important. And you could see that grow. You could see the real conflict in it. And that can't happen unless both actors were on board. We already knew that Austin Butler was on board, like from beat one and he wasn't stopping. So you were either going to hop on that train or just step aside while he blows right through you. And when you're up against a performance like that with an actor, so focused, if you are not all so focused you will get get left behind and i will talk about who got left behind but richard roxburgh was phenomenal in his role as as small but as important as it was yeah i i think your point about it being kind of hard to choose a supporting cast i'll go a step farther and say that i think some of the supporting cast was just bad in this movie um and frankly tom hanks is on that list i i just did not love that performance. And um, a lot of them were subject to the movie style and the, and the pace of the movie and things like that, which I'm sure we'll get into. I, I, at least I know that I will get into, but, and so they didn't really have a fair shot, but those that did, um, there were some that were just really bad for me, my scene stealer. I'm going with Olivia de young who played Priscilla, Priscilla Presley. Um, I give her bonus points for level of difficulty because Priscilla, Priscilla is a, public figure and one that people have opinions about. Um, This is a, you know, sort of a cautionary tale with Elvis, sort of an Icarus type of story. And Priscilla features, you know, right there in it. A lot of times you have that, and this is obviously a true story, but um, in in true stories as well, when there's a person of ambition, it's usually their significant other who is there, you know, going through it in a really rough way. And that's certainly the case with Priscilla Presley, but it's important in this movie for them to land the relationship between them and the love and make it feel real. Um, 
so that when the heartbreak happens and when the downfall happens and the drugs and all the manipulation and all of that starts to occur that you feel it in your chest and it makes you hurt. And it's important because this is a three hour long movie and that comes right at the very end that they actually let Elvis have his downfall where Priscilla leaves and you know, it comes, it comes really in the last like 30 minutes that they decide to go down that road. And so the payoff is late in the film. And so they have to build it up really well. And I think they did a great job. And I think it's because Olivia DeYoung had great, uh, did a great job fostering chemistry with Austin Butler's Elvis and just really um, playing to that and being a great supporting cast member. I think she understood the assignment, did her homework nice and, you know, solid performance. I just thought it was really strong and it was the one, it was literally, you know, the father I think is good. It's, it's a different dynamic though, because you know, Elvis is closer to his mom. So I, I, I I like that you called out that performance because it's one of those like unsung hero performances, but this was the one relationship, key relationship in Elvis's life that I felt like was really well portrayed and the payoff was good. And I think that that's because Olivia DeYoung did a really good job in her scenes with Elvis, um, with Austin Butler as Elvis and, uh, built that relationship. I thought it was really strong work. So kudos to her. Brilliant. Love it. All right, let's move on to the production. It's Boz, man. Boz is, uh, this guy is not a, not a minimalist. (laughs) Can we say that cuts galore, visual effects galore, lighting and, crazy production design galore. I mean, that's, that's Boz, um, which really is kind of a good fit for Elvis, but Kirk, I want to hear your thoughts on the production and what your showstopper was. There were, I'm going to pick one, but I want to call this out. There were three musical moments. Uh, there were more than that, but three key musical moments that really, um, struck me. And I'm going to pick the the first one. I'm not even going to tell you the other ones in case Cam picks one of these. Um, but one was historically powerful. One was um, reminiscent of late nights on my couch and turning on the TV and the infomercials running at like two o'clock in the morning after you'd fallen asleep to your favorite like cartoon or whatever. And the one that got me, though, was the most powerful moment of this film. And it's the trouble sequence. We have Elvis uh, stepping up to be new Elvis uh, again in another performance and supposedly in a full performance as new Elvis. He's been humiliated on stage and on camera and in front of millions of people um, doing these little hokey, hokey doke square performances. And he gets up there and he has a decision to make that he might go to jail literally for performing in what's so funny to think about the, the the style that Elvis was at the time was so provocative when then I think about like any artist today <laughs> getting on stage <laughs> yeah like the fact that he was almost sent to jail to rot in prison <laughs> because of the way he danced um I mean I bet all all those people were just um rolling in their graves as they got older <laughs> and saw the things that were coming out um, but really, the trouble sequence is so incredible. A, number one, uh, so throughout the film, we get different cuts of Austin Butler's voice singing full songs versus Elvis Presley singing full songs. So sometimes they're intermixed. Sometimes it's full Elvis. Sometimes it's full Austin. This is a full Austin um, performance of Trouble. And you wouldn't have known it until you looked it up on the Uh, on the film album soundtrack, which is now available on all streaming platforms. Absolutely so powerful. The way that he is just like playing with the mic, breathing against the mic. There's three big moments where you can hear his breath just like panicking, like this is it. I have to make a really big decision right now. Just just real breathing into, into that mic. And you see his eyes pierce through the crowd and he makes that decision on the spot and he just goes for it. 
There's so much power behind that entire sequence of anxiety. You feel it as as Elvis approaches the stage, as he's on his in the car on the way there. He's he's still wavering until he hits that stage and he sees that crowd and he hears about you know one last time in his head, new Elvis. He's like, I'm not new Elvis. I'm Elvis. Darn it. That whole sequence leading up to that is absolutely pitch perfect and one of the most powerful acting moments in the entire film by Austin Butler. You pair all that together, that's my showstopper. I love it. Uh, For my showstopper, I'm also going with the sequence. Um, And for me, it's it's the third act of the movie where they transition to the shows at the International Hotel. I feel like that section... It, it really tells the story. It tells the story that I think they're ultimately trying to tell. There, there's a lot of different threads that they're pulling in this thing, but the one about who Elvis is as a performer, what his fans mean to him, and the, this, this concept that he was literally fueled, as Kirk said, by the power of the audience and the fans, um, that, that through line in the movie comes all the way through in the third act with the performances at the international. And what I like about this is it's the one section of the movie that is not just cut, 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 you know, cuts to oblivion montage style. They do these longer um, scenes where it's kind of, it's almost like, um, you know, that movie Judy with Renee Zellweger where she's playing Judy Garland and she's performing on stage where they try to like recreate these iconic concerts that are happening. Um, it's, it's like that. And so Elvis is depicted in a way that you're used to seeing him because it's the clips in the infomercial, like Kirk's talking about that, that we've seen or the things that were actually televised with Elvis and the hair and makeup is incredible. The lighting is incredible, but above all is the characterization of Elvis and showing him as a performer in these long sequences of performances, him, him interacting with the band, singing the song, Austin Butler's totally in his element. It feels like Elvis reincarnated, you know, rebirthed into life. And the whole thing just comes together in a really magical way. Um, and I love, I loved that. I loved the whole section at the international. I think that that, where the story goes there, I love, I, f- I feel like I wish we would have gotten to that, sooner in the movie because this the story fills out nicely in that third act with the stuff with the international and what's going on with tom parker and all of that stuff it feels like that's what it's like i wish we would have gotten to that sooner because that i think is ultimately what they decided to tell um even though they played with all these other different plot lines like the ultimate thing that boz went with was focused in that international sequence but I think it, it, it is a nice, it's a really nice sequence for, for Boz and for the movie and, and for the story overall. Absolutely. It, the movie is so long. It's two, two hours and 39 minutes. I almost forgot the treat there at the International, which is such a long sequence. You're absolutely right. The concert is a gift from Boz to see that fully play out. And what's the song that they that they build up together? Is it uh, That's All Right Mama again? Yeah. There at the end? Oh, man. I mean... I was in heaven. I'm sure you were in in a bigger a bigger heaven than I was listening to how that band was built up just with your band love and and history and expertise. Like when they built that out, I mean, I don't know if you looked over or saw me shaking. Like I was like bouncing up and down and Yeah. Joy. Yeah, that was the part where it was like, okay, this is this is the music part. And this is something that Boz does incredibly well. I mean, he's done it with Moulin Rouge, you know, he's He's been here before, and and I feel like it's something that just really suits his style is to do these big musical sequences because he has such a visual eye for spectacle, and that's what it's all about. Um, but I, I loved that he like took a moment to be really intentional about recreating an Elvis performance. Like, forget the forget the cinema part, but like, let's just re- straight up recreate an Elvis performance and make it feel like you're there, and that's what they did. All right. Absolutely. Let's talk about director's shoes. What are what are our notes for Boz? Kirk, kick it off. Two hours and forty minutes. I got a lot of notes, Boz. <laughs> There's a lot to to digest here. The first one, I gotta say that 
Um, although Boz did a good job expressing how important his parents were to him, even the scene when he was just about to go on the road with Colonel Parker, um, you know, there, there's a wonderful, that's our first real taste of Elvis behind the scenes and his openness of, of vulnerability, uh, opening up to his mom and telling, that's all right, mama. That's all, literally, that's all right, mama, in that scene. I love that. And that he's taking care of her uh, as she's trying to take care of him. It's a, it's a beautiful moment. And when we get to the death scene of, of Elvis's mom, it almost feels like, like Cam said a couple weeks back, it almost feels like Goose in Top Gun 1, that this should be such a big moment. And it is. And they, they do. We have the funeral. We have the, the announcement. We have... A little bit of grieving, but there's something detrimental that that sucks the air out of that scene where we don't get to fully feel with Austin Butler. And unfortunately, that is Tom Hanks' performance in this entire movie. Uh, they choose to have Tom, uh, t- Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis Presley's manager, come in and in his most vulnerable state, Elvis's most vulnerable state, his mother has died. Colonel Parker is trying to encourage him to still be the star, the star that he knows he will be, which that makes sense from a writing perspective. However, if the core of Tom Hanks performance was not so misguided, that would have been so much better. In fact, the entire film would have benefited so much more from it. We have these incredible um, cerebral uh, out of body uh, thrown into like a painting kind of feel like Boslerman does uh, with incredibly new techniques and graphics that I haven't seen before and especially him do before and all of it gets lost with this contrived accent that Tom Hanks did. Now I haven't listened to enough of Tom Tom Parker's uh, uh, interviews in the past. I have listened to a few and I hear more Southern out of it than I hear the Holland uh, play. And I understand that you wanted to dash that in there, but you really did not need to lean on that as much. In fact, there are times when Tom Hanks sounds like Kevin Malloy from the office yeah. uh, and they, they play it twice. It's when, it's when Elvis faints right before one of his big concerts. And he says, get this man on stage or, or get this man a doctor. You know, it's, it's so bad. Oh man, poor Tom Hanks, maybe the worst performance of his entire career. And because of that, because it doesn't line up with the other characters, MO or even the right world that they're in, it really does take away pretty powerfully, some pretty powerful scenes. Um, and the last thing, uh, I'll say two more things real quick. Boz settles down a little bit too early in this movie. He front loads with his fingerprint and his identity, and then he he drives away too much. Then he he does too much of a straight tail after that. There's not there's not the flutter or his hand in it and, and the sparkle of it all. And the final thing, I do wish that we picked Elvis's greatest love. Now, we know that the stage is his greatest love. That's apparent, but we needed a character, an actor, for him to latch on the most, not not a triangle on top of that because you can't have a triangle with three other characters and the stage. The stage is, is the top of that, uh, that triangle. Then you have Priscilla, then you have, you know, the, the love hate relationship with, uh, with his manager, Colonel Parker, then you have his dad. And then you have, uh, the other blues singers that he, the encounters BB King. He has a, a fond, a fond attachment to, um, there there's, there's just a little too much. We needed a little bit more, uh, actually which i say don't do this ever but hit us on the head with who he values the most we didn't quite get that we we were getting there but we didn't quite get there um so those are my director's shoes for elvis yeah because i think when you say when you when hitting on the head is a bad thing is with the theme what shouldn't be unclear is the story the story mm-hmm. should be clear you know right. like the theming the theming should be veiled it should be because that's the point of themes, right? Like you're supposed to deliver it in a way to where you're 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 incepting an idea into somebody's head. You're you're trying to get them to realize it later and go, "Oh, I see what happened." But the story should be clear, and and that's where I'll start my director's shoes. I think Boz was out of control with the story, man, out of control. I think his ambitions, as has been known to happen with him, his ambitions got the best of them. I think it was Great Gatsby all over again. I, I just really felt like. Boz, what story are you trying to tell here, dude? What are you trying to tell? Are you trying to tell about how he's 
you know, how he bridged the gap between, you know, how he was a civil rights figure and bridged the gap between um, black and white people in, you know, this during the civil rights movement due to his music. Did he, did he subconsciously create that movement? Are you trying to talk about, you know, artist manipulation and empowerment and all of those things? Are you trying to talk about people being political figures as artists or, or like, are you trying to talk about him as as an artist? You know, his love for the fans, his love for what it is. There's just too many threads going on at one time. And, and when he gets on one of these tangents, he goes too far with it. He veers too far off the path, and then he has to come all the way back in to bring it back together. And I do think that ultimately he settles on, like, this, this idea of, like, Elvis just wants to perform and just wants to... He, he just loves it so much and he ultimately loses out to that because he he thinks that this thing at the international is this great deal he doesn't realize that Tom Parker is manipulating him and and so he he ultimately loses his way because he's just trying to perform and, and the drugs help him perform and and the lifestyle helps him perform and that's what he wants but man it just comes way too late in the game and 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 it, it's sort of fallen off by then and the fact that this is a two hour and 40 minute movie and like, I don't know, 85 to 90% of that is like in montage style direction is insane. I mean, he's doing cool stuff within it, but like visually and creatively, like they're doing cool things. Like the part where he's talking about comic books and it's an animated pains and stuff like that. And the, he's doing wild stuff, but there's just so many cuts too much uh, non-storytelling, just montaging your way through the life of Elvis. And whenever he does slow it down to have these personal moments, these key milestone moments, they feel hollow. They feel empty. The acting performances feel flat because there's no basis for it. There's no relationship. And then you're having these heavy discussions between two people who don't really have a relationship because it's been told via montage for the first 45 minutes of the movie. So it just really fails from a storytelling perspective. Um, it's a great, this is like an Elvis commercial. This is like a two hour and 40 minute Elvis commercial of like, here's why you should like Elvis and here's how cool Elvis is. And I think that that, and like how sad his story is. And I think for that it works, but in terms of like actually telling the story, I think scale down the time frame majorly focus on one portion of his career probably the latter portion based on the story that they're ultimately trying to tell here and then just keep those ambitions in in check stay on task uh if you want to have these big personal milestone moments slow it down make it feel intentional make it feel real lay the groundwork don't just jump into it so that it feels empty i just felt like he he let his story down by chasing too many shiny objects with this thing and it's just another Boz Lerman all spectacle, no substance. And that's how I felt about that's how I felt about the great Gatsby. And I, I have liked Boz's some of Boz's other films. I liked Romeo and Juliet, though I was I was very young when I saw it, so I don't know if it still holds up. Moulin Rouge is great. Um but Gatsby and this one, mediocre, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right. And on that note, now that I'm off my soapbox. Let's uh, let's wrap it up with final thoughts and scores. This movie had a lot to do. It had a lot of ground to cover. I mean, what did I say? Uh, the, the full the full forty two years uh, of Elvis's life, right? To be get, to be getting the influences in his life that made him appreciate and make him the man that he was. The 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 black community's music and the black community's church and to infuse that into his music because that's what he was familiar with uh to kind of like destroy that idea that he stole it was kind of Boslerman's uh one of his goals to say listen this this is who Elvis is he didn't just start stealing it and there were lots of interviews with lots of artists later on that said yeah yeah Elvis was a cool guy one of the nice nicest I've ever met and pretty cool that uh, he was able to bring our stories in 
and make a like a clear gateway to us when we didn't have a shot and to be an introduction to us and then to immediately allow us to have success uh, in a time of segregation and horribleness, which uh, still a little bit goes on today, as we know. Uh, what I what I want to say about this movie is that I a couple of different things. My dad has three CDs in his car, probably still to this day. He has Elvis, Shania Twain, and Journey. And those are the only three CDs I remember Word. riding in his car. So I got real familiar with Elvis uh, and Shania Twain uh, growing up. So I, I was, uh, I've always been a big fan of Elvis and the spectacle. And like I said, I felt I, I would fall asleep and wake up to in the, the 68 comeback special, uh, like the CDs get, get copies of the, of the album, uh, of the, of the live recording. And, um, and then one day I finally accidentally saw the whole thing. I, I wasn't realized that I wasn't watching the commercial for those CDs. I was watching the actual comeback special and I was just in awe of that entire performance. And to see that, I had no anticipation that that would have been in this movie. Uh, and I was super excited that it was. Uh, and a really fun fact before I give you my final score is that my grandparents also on my dad's side, my grandparents, this is a really fun story. Um, my grandmother, actually a friend invited her to a concert for Elvis Presley and had backstage passes to meet Elvis Presley. What? And yes. And she decided, oh my goodness, I have a date, which is not her friend. This, they're not her girlfriend. She's like, I have to, I have to say no. I have to go. Uh, I have to go on this date. I've already committed to it. And she turned down backstage passes with Elvis Presley to go on a date with my now grandfather. So I would not be here. Mistake. <laughs> oh man had it not been for her turning down those backstage passes but man i wish that it still could have worked out both ways that she could have met him took a picture i could flash it right he now. would have like, understood i think i think so i really do think so uh so i love elvis and one of the thing that i love about boz lerman or understand about him i guess or think i understand is that he moves at such a breakneck pace sometimes that you have to see his films over and over again. So I'm I'm actually buffering my score just a little bit, knowing that upon second viewing, I'll like it even a little bit more. Um, and if I need to retcon this later, I will. But I'm going to stand true to my rating on this film, all things considered, at an 8.0 out of 10 kernels. I feel you. I feel you. Love the love the history there too, Kirk. That's awesome. Isn't it fun? Yeah, I I'm like the opposite of that. Like I went to Graceland and was like boring, <laughs> <laughs> which is horrible. It's horrible, and it's an indictment on me. I was like I was like I was young, okay. So it's not it's not that bad. I was just like, what's so cool about this guy? But no. Uh, final thoughts on Elvis. I think um, I said a lot of it in my director's shoes. Really felt like. Boz got lost in the sauce here and I, and I wish that that wasn't the case because I think he does love Elvis and I think that he captured the spectacle of Elvis really well at times and that like a lot of the stuff visually was cool and a lot of the stuff musically was cool but this movie just really couldn't decide what it wanted to be and, and Boz couldn't decide what he wanted it to be because I think he wanted it to be so many things um and ultimately just lost it. I think he actually said that there's a four hour edit of this movie out there. I have no doubt that that is true. <laughs> I have no doubt at all that that's true. I'm sure, I'm sure he would not have trimmed it down to two hours and 40 minutes if he didn't have to sell this thing, um, to film distributors. So, you know, I think that that sort of tells the whole thing. It, it really just, the story fell apart because there was just too much crammed in and it, it shouldn't have been that way, but it was. And there's so many interesting things. And I think that ultimately you have to tell a story that people don't know too. I, th I think that's the other thing. It's like, I'm not a huge Elvis fan and I knew all of, you know, the majority of all this stuff. I, I the most compelling thing I thought to me was his ties to the African American community, going to church, uh, growing up, you know, going to Beale Street when Beale Street was not what it is, when it was like a blues melting pot and people were experimenting with blues and R&B music. Like, 
that's cool. And that's a, that's a story that I don't think people always think of when they think of Elvis. And that could have been cool. Or like, give us a reason to make this movie. Like we know, most of us know the story of Elvis in terms of like, he died young. He was the biggest thing in the world. We know kind of what happened with him and Priscilla. We know, um, you know, that he was an Icarus and all, all, you know, all of these things. So tell us something we, tell us a story that we wouldn't have gotten somewhere else. Give us a reason for this movie to be created. And I don't think that reason was there. I think Boz lost it somewhere along the line, just getting overly ambitious. And that's a, a darn shame. Cause I think that he really does love this person and this story and these, you know, the lives that are here and the stories that are being told by them. Um, but he just wasn't able to execute it to the highest degree. Still does some really cool stuff. This one's tough for me because there, there's some stuff where I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's iconic. You know, there, there. it's like other filmmakers aren't doing that. But the, the sum of all the parts is where I struggle with it. And for me, if it's a biopic and you're trying to tell a story about a person, you got to tell a good story and he didn't. So I'm giving a 6.2 out of 10, which... I hope I won't look back on and feel that it's too harsh, but to me, he missed the mark. He missed the mark. Um, still, there's a lot of good stuff in there, which is why it gets above the Mendoza line. It gets above the 5.0 um, and into respectable territory, but it's uh, it's very close to completely falling apart, and luckily it didn't totally fall off. And, and that's, I, to me, even though the movie is long and you're definitely ready to go home by the time the third act rolls around, the third act is a breath of fresh air in my opinion and ends up wrapping things up really nicely. So. Hey, pretty boy. Elvis is back. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, I heard you gave my movie a 6.2 out of 10 kernels. Oh, I'm and sorry. I got a bone to pick with you, partner. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been to the future and I saw that movie Clockwork Orange and I got to tell you, I'm going to put your eyes open just like that and I'm going to make you watch my film over and over and over and you're going to say, I'm wow, already the greatest film I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm already going to get lambasted for this because my mom is a huge Boz fan and my sister-in-law is a huge Boz fan and so are you, Kirk. So I already, I don't need the king getting involved here and, and jeering me for my score. All right. I, I stand by I it. I can appreciate your score, honestly. I can appreciate that with with all of your evidence and all of your supporting key notes. I think that that is a very fair score for everything involved. But I just hope I can change your mind. <laughs> also, I think Elvis is just going to have to return every couple of months. <laughs> I hope not. I really hope not. Um, what happened with Tom Hanks, man? I just dude. Here's the thing: when it when the movie started, and I saw the character, like the design and the makeup and everything, I was like, okay, hold on. If I squint, I can kind of forget that this is Tom Hanks, which is the, which is yes. the first time in a long time. So I was like, this has potential. And then as it went, it just, oh man, it just got the inconsistencies. And I know that there were COVID delays and all of those sorts of things. So maybe that's what happens, but the inconsistencies with the accent the shallowness of some of those key moments. I just, I could not, I could not handle it. I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks, usually a fine actor. Yes. I'll never forget when we were watching and I do believe it is captain Phillips where he's supposed to be from Philadelphia. Yes. Um, and Aubrey turns to me in the theater and says, that's not a Philadelphia accent. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks has never been good at accents ever. He's always been good at playing true to whatever character he's supposed to be. Um, and if you tell him he needs to have an accent or you put him in a position where he should try to have an accent, then it's not good. And I think this will be a lesson to him to not do it ever again. Yeah, this was a toughie. This was a toughie oh, for man. sure. Um, it's, it's so weird in a movie with a performance that just like knocks your socks off to have that from an actor that you expect to knock your socks off. It's just, it's bizarre, totally bizarre. It um, is. It really is. But that's us closing the book on Elvis. You can still go see it in theaters. I'm sure uh, the powers that be would be happy if you did so given it's opening. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was never going to be a hundred million dollar opening domestic box office type of movie, but um, yeah, go check it out. If you haven't already, 
you this is one of those reviews you really can listen to even if you haven't if even it's if, true because it's not you know it's it's history so most people know that elvis died young um some people believe Boy, he's deep. still alive <laughs> yeah there it is some people believe he's still out there uh cryogenically frozen or something but um anyway go check it out hope you enjoyed this episode if you did give us a, a rating a review uh like a subscription, whatever we would greatly appreciate that. Tell your friends. Most of all, that would be really awesome. That's right. And we're gonna, we're gonna. Cam and I will be queuing you out with a rendition of "That's All Right, Mama" <laughs> no, instead not. of our normal songs from the band Rhetoric and EP producer Mr. Ryan Spriggs. Well, that's all right, Mama. <laughs> no, no, right no, no. I am that's gonna all... play Rhetoric, oh. and also, oh, okay, I'm ready for Elvis to leave the building. He's he's overstayed his welcome this week. Two episodes I gave Elvis. Two episodes. He's got to go. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you.